What do we say, fam? Welcome to another episode of Simplexity, a podcast where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. My name is Sammy Foster, joined with my counterpart, the one and only Mr. Boots. Mr. Boots is in the house. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Good to see you. Today we got a special one, one that we've been looking forward to with my very dear friend, mentor, and a very accomplished, soon-to-be author. Mm. The one and only Mr. Sig Volberg, also known as Sig. Great to have you with us. Glad to be here. Yes. And so let me bring us sort of up to speed as to sort of put the seat down, if you will, as to what we're going to rest on and the subject matter at hand. And that is the issue of leadership. Yeah. If there has ever been a demand signal for good leaders, good influencers, good pace setters, um, it is right now. And obviously the discussion lends itself to speak to the complexity of leadership, really the unhealth in many sectors of leadership. And I, when it came to Boots and I really talking about this, there is no one that I think has a more sort of robust experience while at the same time perspective of leadership than you. And so here's what I want to do, whether you like it or not, I want to read your bio. Here we go. Um, this bio actually has found its way into the onset of a book that you're getting ready to release yes. called The Virtue Proposition. Mm -hmm. And um, listen to this. Th yeah. there, there are few bios yeah. that are going to rival this If one. you feel accomplished right now, <laughs> what you're about to hear might rock you. <laughs> totally. And, and totally. your sense of self. Get ready to have the record <laughs> set straight. Yeah. Sigberg is founder and current chairman of the board of the Severn Leadership Group in Annapolis, Maryland, a distinguished graduate of the United States Naval Academy. He served as the chief engineer on the nuclear-powered submarine USS Sunfish. He completed the Harvard Graduate School of Business Advanced Management Program and has an MDiv, just top it off, yeah. because the corporate world wasn't enough, so he decided I'm gonna go and get an MDiv from Trinity Lutheran Seminary he was the executive vice president at the Institute of Nuclear Power Operations and managing director of the World Association of Nuclear Operators in London and the senior vice president for infrastructure development and training at Unistar Nuclear Energy. He also served as a senior pastor at Good Shepherd Church in Naperville, Illinois, over a congregation of nearly a thousand members, he and his wife Martha, who is an absolute gem, the better half, mm. may I and add. And true, very and true. true. <laughs> Live in Annapolis, Maryland. He has three daughters and six grandchildren. Mm. Get at me. Yeah. If <laughs> I think if if you I had this epiphany while you were reading that. If you were to to pose this question to Chat GPT come up with the most impressive bio that's what it would say that's what it would that's say. that would be the response actually beck fact check this yeah, against chat gpt <laughs> <laughs> and see if it's legit oh but it's an honor to have you my friend i am really glad to be here and be with you guys this morning thank you so much when we delve into this issue of leadership that has become obviously a real passion point of yours, um, so much so that you started, founded the Severn Leadership Group in where you established a mentor program to really, you know, shape, in many ways, disciple, groom healthy leaders, both in corporate world, in the military, and in any other sector for that matter. Um, you have various chapters here locally in Annapolis. You have them up in Connecticut, if my... Um, really, when, when, it, when it comes to this matter of leadership, um, really, as of late, it's culminated in a book called The Virtue Proposition. Um, I, I take it that this has been a long time coming in light of your resume, your experience, you being in the corporate world, the church world, the military world. Um, tell me a little bit as to why this is such a passion. 
Well, I think over a period of time, I've had the pleasure of um, working not only here in the United States, but around the world with all kinds of people from various backgrounds, various cultures, various countries. And uh, particularly when I was in Europe living in London, I had the opportunity to spend time in Pakistan and India and Ukraine and Russia and China and Japan. Mm. Um, and the list goes on. But people are the same. They desire something. They want something. I remember being in Goa in India, and the people were telling me, you know, all we want, and there was a huge amount of poverty, all we want in our home is one light, one light bulb, so that our kids can study at night. Wow. And you go to their nuclear power plants, and they're beautiful on the inside, but you go outside the gate, and it's abject poverty. Wow. But I don't think you have to necessarily go outside of the United States to see the needs. I might say the time outside the U.S., I met a lot of leaders of countries, of organizations, from various cultures and various backgrounds. But I think one of the things that I heard directly from them is they wanted someone who would tell the truth, tell it like it is, and could it listen at least to what we have to say. We know you don't always agree with us, right. but we want someone that we think we can honestly talk and have an honest conversation and see where it leads. But back in this country, I think for myself, many of the stories in the virtue proposition, there are a number uh, of myself growing up, and I've come to understand that leadership is a journey. It's not something that, voila, you take a course, gain six skills, I want to be president of whatever, and there you've arrived, but rather it's a lifetime journey. Hmm. The question is, what is being put in you over time? And so I think for me, as I look in our own country and uh, see the kind of strife that we have today, the middle class shrinking more and more, and people wondering what's going on, that I began to think, where do I fit in all of this? Well, I think one of, there was a movie that really impressed me. It was Schindler's List. Oscar Schindler is in the rail yard uh, right near the end of the movie, he receives a ring from the Jewish community that were his workers. And as that scene begins to end, he begins to recognize one thing, and he hugs the individual who gave him the ring, and he simply starts crying and says, as he had looked around, I could have done so much more if I only knew. Mm. I could have done so much more if I had only known. And I look at my own life. There are things that I wish I have known or had known a lot earlier than I do now. And a lot of the things I've learned, I've had to learn the hard way. But had I known them earlier, I could have done so much more and made a difference, not for myself, but for a lot of other people. Well, you know, I, I just wanna say for me, you know, you certainly had a major impact and influence in my life. I, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons that brings us to where we are today is be the fact that you have been in many ways a mentor, what the SLG has provided for me by way of leadership, mentorship, um, you know, understanding, understanding really your concept of this virtue proposition, because truth be told, and I think Boots would totally agree with me. When you consider the American landscape, so I want to I want to sort of hone in on to our current context. There is a major, major deficit when it comes to healthy leadership, healthy you know platforms of people wielding their influence, and yet at the same time, there's a ton of conversation that surrounds this issue of leadership because everybody in a way, and everybody is a very broad brush, but so many aspire to be an influencer, a leader, a pace setter, a pioneer. And yet you can look easily right off the end of your nose and there is more material, more classes, more YouTubes, more sort of, you know, short uh, 
schools that will groom leaders. The problem is, is what they're grooming them in, in many ways, I feel can be a setup for failure if the foundation is not laid right. There is a major emphasis on skill set, mechanics, communication skills, power of influence, how to win friends, influence people. All of the material is rich, but if you do not start with character, if you do not start with the person first being safe, secure, stable, grounded, mature, self-aware, introspective, of which that is by and large your major emphasis, then those around you that you lead greatly suffer and you yourself are on a very short shelf life because your gifts can take you places that your character can't keep you. And so, because if your character is insufficient or immature, then in many ways, you're just setting your up, yourself up for a crash fall. We see this everywhere, politics, corporate world, clergy, the church, um, because there's such a championing of these gifts, these silver tongues, this charismatic you know, abilities and personalities, at yet a disregard at times, so it can seem, of what really, really matters in, in the life of a leader. And so this is why I feel like your book, the SLG, and just your paradigm, the frame in which you groom leaders in, is so pertinent right now, like never before. Now, Sig, going off of what Sammy just said, and kind of the reality that there is such a lacking in character and leadership, where and when did you realize that this was such a problem? Well, I think as time has passed, I mean, I've gone through in my own life different phases of what leadership was about. And I think early on for me, it was rule keeping. You've got a set of rules and you make sure everybody follows them. Well, there's nothing wrong with that in a way, but is there more? And I think even, you know, the work that we do fits a lot of communities and a lot of backgrounds, backgrounds but it also includes, can, it can and does include the church. And I've had a lot of people say, whether in the church or we're listening to somebody else, that they say a lot of things, but then you watch what they do and they don't match. Huh. And as a result, they know maybe intellectually what needs to be said or what's important or what's right. And then you look at what they actually do in the real world it's something completely different. And the result is, do you trust them? I have a friend who says, when someone tells me something, I believe it's the truth. Hmm. And I want to believe it's the truth. But when someone tells me something and it isn't the truth, or they say one thing and do something else, I don't listen to them anymore. Hmm. And so for me, as I look around and see the world we live in, I begin to recognize there's a lot of leadership, but the behaviors don't match, and the foundation for those leaders is all over the map. Mm-hmm. And there's where the problem is. And as a result of that, is there another way to look at leadership? And I believe leadership is developed over a, a period of time, but if it doesn't get a good foundation, then there's a problem. You know. Um, me and you have had lengthy conversations about, you know, the the seat in which I sit, you know, being pastoral, you being a devoted follower of Jesus, having pastored, um, you know, a really large church, one of the largest Lutheran churches in the nation at, at one point. Um, you and I have talked about, you know, westernized Christianity and, and the landscape therein. Do you think that leadership is um, suffering in way of even clergy and the church, uh, pastoral figures and the like? And if, if so, and I, I believe I know the answer to this, but I don't want to lead you. He's but just I'm, like, nope. <laughs> yeah, right. So this whole But I'm certainly so. leading you. Um, um, where, where do you think it is, and what have you seen? This is a tough question. 
First of all, let me say that I, I like think leadership <laughs> has at its base one's character. Mm. And that character has to be based on something. And we talk about timeless and transcendent virtues, mm. not values that can be all over the place. Values can be with the zeitgeist of the time, how people feel at a particular time. I think I'm going to do this for a while. Mm. But there are timeless and transcendent virtues. It's good. Philosophical or religious, depending on where you see the world, that we need to be anchored by something outside ourselves. And most people are only anchored by what goes on in themselves at any particular time. Wow. Um, for a second, let me talk about this. As a nuclear engineer, one of the things we talk about the importance of reactor safety and protecting the core. And we know, all of us from what we've seen in the world and events, that if you don't protect the core, bad things will happen. I also say that each of us has a core, mm -hmm. a compass, a foundation. And if you don't protect it, bad things will happen. Wow. Now the question is, where does that core come from? Hmm. And we talk about leadership, character, virtues, and those we have five. Love, integrity, truth, excellence, relationships, wow. and it's catalyzed by courage. Okay, Sig, that sounds interesting but they form a foundation, a moral basis for us. Mm. And because they're timeless and transcendent, and the question is, how are they timeless and transcendent? You, I was wondering that. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you would, so I'm <laughs> going to see if I can answer the question. You can look at philosophers. Mm. You can look at religious leaders and religious uh, perspective. And the person that I believe that best exemplifies this because not only what he says, but what was involved in his behaviors mm. is Jesus. Uh. And whether you're Christian or not, when you look at the Beatitudes, when you look at the Gospels, Jesus says a lot about life. And at the same time, when you see him operate, who does he talk with? Who does he work with? all kinds of people, all kinds of background. He'll take a tax collector, come down to my house for cocktails, or, or, or whoever, yeah. and people come to him and ask questions. Now let's get back to the church. Have we lost, within the church itself, its basic foundation? Mm. Do we reflect Jesus, or do we reflect society? Is our commitment to Jesus within society, or do we take what's popular in society trying to make Christianity, Christianity popular? Wow. Something to be needed. I contend that it, the foundation, the church, yeah. the Christian church, but I think for a lot of people, if you take a look at who Jesus was and what he did, it lays a foundation, a moral foundation for the way we live. Mm. So I would see leadership as not about me, but about serving other people, of loving other people. And I think wow. that context for all of us is important because when we look here in the United States, Christians are often in their own area and community, and then they're the others. And if the others would believe like us, the world would be better. There's no engagement. Wow. And often the others, those in the secular world, from all stripes and sizes and shapes, they hear that, they see the word, hear the words, don't see the behaviors, there's no trust, they want nothing to do with Christianity. Mm. So how is it? Instead of saying, you need to be like us, we'll pass rules to make you like us, we'll have no effect. Right. But right. rather, where do we have the kind of dialogue, the kinds of discussion, the kinds of love, of listening to other people, sharing with other people? You, know, you go to the 
uh, Areopagus, Mars Hill in Acts 17. Where does Paul go? He sits and talks to leaders, in his case, Greek leaders, Greek religious leaders, and has conversations with them. Right. And he's comfortable doing that. Yeah. And so my sense is, I think it's on the pastor side, and there are many good pastors. Yep. But in many cases, the church has lost its way. Mm. What is its foundation? Do they reflect Jesus or do they reflect something else? Mm. And in our own lives, do we reflect Jesus or something else? So good. So, so from, convicting. So from a faith point of view, it's not just about information. It's about transformation. Mm. Transformation from the inside. And I know, and that takes time. It's not something, right. well, Paul would argue that it could happen mm -hmm. on a road, but for most people, <laughs> and I have to say for myself, it takes a long time for that transformation to take yeah. place. Right. And so I think more and more, all of our, our pastors need to provide that vision, that opportunity to, for people to grow in the faith and, and set the basic foundation for them, but help them realize that in their homes, in their communities, in the workplace, uh, in the world we live, by engaging with others mm. out of love, mm. things can begin to change. Mm -hmm. It's not about information. It's about transformation. Come on, somebody. That sounds like a sermon you would preach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just said that this weekend, didn't Did you? I? It's not about behavior modification. It's yeah. about spiritual transformation. I guess the... And out of that will come a set of behaviors right. that you become authentic. Often I say leadership begins with you. Who are you? What do you believe in? What's your purpose? And does it reflect the one you follow? Mm. But now you lead in the world as an agent of change. Mm. That's exciting stuff. It is, and, and, and you have uh, really coined the phrase that leadership begins with you, but it doesn't end with yeah. you. I love that. Mm. I love that that it's not even about you at the end of the day, which is uh, really the quintessential picture of Jesus. That in, in one sense, it's all about him, but yet you look at his life and he made it all about others. He made it all about sitting with it, whether it was the down and outers or even the pious, but he made it his life's mission to sacrificially pour out everything and anything with the exception of truth, so as to win those that did not yet know him. But he didn't do it just by talk. He did it by and large by walk. And he spoke the truth. Yep. And today we have people, you have no idea what the truth is, and it becomes so muddled, you just turn it all off. Yeah. And I have to say that people say, I like what somebody does, I like what policy somebody has, I don't care about his or her character. Hmm. It's craziness. Wow. Because the character determines the kind of leader you're going to be and your mindset. Is leadership about me and me getting ahead, or is it about serving others and making a difference in the world for people who are crying for a kind of leadership that engages them in the world to make a positive change? Wow. I have a quote that opens the, uh, my book, mm. um, The Virtue Proposition, and it's from Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and he says this, hope is being able to see there is light despite all the darkness around us. Mm. And I believe that leaders are able to begin to shine light in places that it hasn't been before. Wow. And I think from a Christian point of view, that's, it's calling. Amen. Now, but whether you're Muslim or Jewish, all the major religions Talk about love in one form or the other. So regardless of where people are on the spectrum, you can begin to sense, who am I really? Am I being forced into believing I'm somebody? Or is there something inherent in me so that I was created to begin with? That once you discover that, there is a kind of peace and confidence that allows you to go and do things even at home with your family or in the other places that you travel. Yeah, so Think of what the, would, how the world would be different. That's right. Yeah, now speaking of your book, uh, Sig, which I'm very excited for, might I add, 
Um, you know, you've kind of tipped your hand a little bit as far as the content that you'll delve into yep. in its pages. But if you were to kind of condense its thesis, how would you communicate that? Like, what's, what's the bottom line? Uh, I think the bottom line for all of us is that I believe that leaders are followers and followers are leaders. Huh. Uh, in the sense that as a follower, we begin to learn from others and we begin to grow and we begin to change. I think mentors do that in the sense of they're willing to listen. They're willing to ask questions. They're willing to challenge. They're willing to encourage as you begin to discover who you really are. And so for us, I think the book is about why and how. Why is this important as we look at virtues in the world we live in? And I think, as Tom Hanks said in his commencement address at Harvard here recently, we're not being called to be supermen. Mm. Mm. You know, we'll find the right leader in the world, we'll be better. We're all leaders, it's someplace, somewhere. So good. And so as individuals, I think that we can see the world for what it is. We don't need to be supermen, but we can be people who make a difference where we are. But it begins with you and your why and your sense of foundation of those of a core that's based on Love, integrity, truth, excellence, that is always seeking to grow, mm. and the importance of relationships, not only in your family, within your Christian community, but with the world at large. Mm. I was with, a number of years ago, with an official from Iran. He came to my office late at night. There are some specifics I need to leave out of the conversation. He was an individual who was seeking to understand a few things. I was living in London at the time. And I said, you need to know that I'm here on behalf of the nuclear community worldwide, commercial nuclear uh, world. So I, I don't represent the United States government. I'm an American. You know that. I know that. But I'm here for the nuclear community. We began to have a discussion about some things. And what he said at the end was surprising. He said, you're the first person that really would sit down and listen to me. Huh. You're the first person that would ask questions. And I think the result of that were some interesting things that got put into motion and then stopped at the end mm. by the leadership in Iran. Well, that's one of those odd examples. But people are looking for someone who is authentic and who's willing to say the things that need to be said, but on the other hand, cares enough to listen. So let me, let me just say for just clarity purposes, you know, when you say that, Sig, one of the things that's really intimidating about you is from day one, you are as much of a learner as you are a teacher. I remember sitting at your table when we were working through the curriculum for SLG. And in so many ways, you asked as many questions as you sort of unpacked truths, because you really wanted to understand me. You wanted to understand who I yeah. was, what made me tick, sort of the, the frame in which I look through, even in my own leadership. But at the same time, it wasn't that you asked me questions to lead me to your you know, desired spaces or agendas or truths, it's that I quickly realized, wait a minute, he's really trying to learn you, what makes me tick and why, you know, even what I know that you might not know. And I just thought it's incredible that even in your seasoned years, and even though you, you look fabulous, you're, you're I know what, what I can't say. <laughs> you're seven, what, 73? Seven. 77? That's correct. Good gracious. You're old. <laughs> no, there are a lot of old people around me. You know, one of the difference, one of the differences about that is that I spend a lot of time with people in the 20 to 40 year yes, age group. Yes, you do. Hmm. 
I've, I, though my daughters have gotten older, they haven't let me off the hook. Uh. Uh, nor has my wife. <laughs> Come on, and Ms. So Martha a, will not. As a result of being around people and issues uh, up from various stages and places in life, yeah, it's exciting to hear. I've said this at home. I, I don't want to be a guy who's in a community that talks about my doctor visit tomorrow <laughs> or my physical ailment. Or uh, what time we're going to eat at five o'clock tonight? Uh, I'm going to do a round of golf, come home, take a nap. Right. I, I don't want to be there. No. And uh, I'm not trying to knock anybody or who has that kind of lifestyle. I understand that. But for me, Amen. there's so much to be done. And I am so grateful mm. for people who have said, Sig, do you know you do this? Sig, you need to work on this. Mm. And that happens almost every week for me. Uh. And I'm grateful for that. I'm still on the same journey. And people who knew me, say, 25 or 30 years ago, they pick up the book and they say, Sig, you weren't like that when I knew you 30, 40 years ago. And my answer is, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right. I love it. But people can grow and people can change. Amen. And I don't care at what age it is. So there's an exciting part about all of this mm. that I don't think ends. And so I have to eat my veggies every day, <laughs> take my vitamin D, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, I love that about you, friend. I, I, I mean it. it. Not only do you say that, but you live that. And you're constantly learning. You're sharp as a tack. You're incredibly influential. I'm watching even... As a, you know, for the short time that I've known you, which is what the past four years, yep. you know, um, you know, I've watched your platform grow. I really do believe that it's God's blessing on your life and that you have so much to give because you're still a pupil in many ways. You're still a student of leadership, of character. And your heart is, is that the last thing Sigval Berg is out to do is to make a name for yourself. Absolutely. Your primary thing is I want to serve younger leaders or any leaders for that matter. And there's still ground to gain. There's still much to be learned and there's still growth to be had. And you want to assist in that. I just think that is so commendable that at times when you ask me questions, I feel like it is truly genuine and you're truly intrigued as to I want to understand and learn from that. Well, one, I'll thank you for that, Sammy. I, I think uh, a month or so ago, someone asked me, well, um, why did you write your book? Mm. Oh, there's two books. There's a book that I wrote to be a compendium to our material called Swing, Elite Leadership for High Performance Teams, which is on Amazon. And then the second book has some of the same material, but it's Swing enlarged. A fantastic book. And then the second book, which will be out uh, uh, at the end of the year, um, The Virtue Proposition, five virtues that will transform leadership, team performance, and you, mm. and SIG, because I, I'm still in the same journey. But my answer to the question, why did you write the book? I didn't want to write a book. Right. Someone said, well, you want to sell a lot of copies. Well, yes and no. Yes. But it's not just to say I sold X number of copies. I hope it'll touch people's lives where they are, that they too can begin to see that there is a moral base for things, mm. that you can live a life of wholeness, uh, a life that you can flourish in, a life that you can make a difference, uh, a life that can be a light, like Tutu talks about, uh, a life that can shine light in a world, even in your own family or in your own neighborhood, or maybe in your own company, mm. your own community, maybe in government, and Lord knows we need some leadership there because it's basically dysfunctional. But is it about them or is it about the people they serve? Right on. That's the question. Mm. So do I want, why do I want to write books? Uh, uh, I'm a practitioner in this, and I've had my lumps and successes and things I wish I would have done differently. That still goes on today. But in any case, um, can we touch people's lives? And the Severn Leadership Group is a way that we believe, and it's just not two weeks in and out, 
but rather a time of five months of working, of being with others, having discussions, having a mentor, and then seeing what happens as a result. And people change. Amen. In all kinds of ways that I would never have guessed. Right. But they're ways that I can truly celebrate. Not only for me to see, see the change, but what happens to them. Mm. That, I mean, that's, that is rich up until this point. I don't want, I, I just want to, I want to make sure that we don't cloud anything. Is there anything before? See, that was beautiful. That, did that? Oh, I think it sets up the virtue. I, I, what we definitely are going to do towards the end is, is I want to spotlight the virtue proposition so people know where to get it or when to expect it, one. Two, I want to give a little information about the SLG as to how people can, you know, connect with, yeah. get um, more understood on. Um, is there anything as far as the five virtues we should ask? Um, you know, the last question was mechanics, how to self-help approaches towards leadership. Um, we were going to ask how do the five Maybe the final question is, Sig, just to sort of bring this in for a landing. When it comes to many measures of leadership being mechanics, self-help, you know, skill set development, things like that, that aren't wrong, but don't get the character of a leader done, how do the five virtues work together? Um, is that backtracking back? Or do you feel me? Uh-huh. So, so, okay, then if we don't backtrack, because he's already set it up, you know, with, um, what, then maybe the final question is, is to, is to bring it in for a landing and say, one of the transcendent, timeless virtues that you speak of is courage. Hmm. As we get ready to conclude, because I don't want to give the book away, tell me why courage is such a big deal. And I hear you beat that drum often. Why is that paramount to you? Yes. Yeah. You feel good, Bubba? I'm feeling great with you guys. (laughs) Sig, I mean... Oh my gosh, I, I think that did create very much of a hook of, it's such a compelling, and mm-hmm. you did it so concise and clear of a, uh, all right, so I'm gonna ask that. I got one, what, what, we, we, we don't want time to say it, but I, I wanted to let you know that I've been thinking Sammy like. <laughs> we can't do it. I have the three R's for the church. One is repent. Huh. To really look at who we are and what we are not and what we're called to be, uh, number one. Number two is to restore, like in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of our salvation. Put Christ as the foundation and the core for our lives. And the last is re-engage, three R's. Uh. With the culture, listen, discuss, and be those are my three R's. But I, I had to have them for you, Sam. <laughs> because you, you, you've got to have a screen with a... Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> well, why don't, why, why don't we end... Why don't you say, is there any, anything you, 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 you'd like to say as we close out? Well, you yeah. can do whatever you... I'm just, I had to tell you because it would, <laughs> well, not, it would well, not be right <laughs> to no. be here in Sammy's house <laughs> and Boots' house <laughs> And Becca's house and Mike's house. Where's Mike? Mike, Mike? Mike left the house. Oh, he left the house. <laughs> yeah. Without giving you the three R's. I love the but, three R's. You know what we could say is you could lay that out. I could ask that question, and then you could say, but that's going to take courage. Oh. Oh, look at you, boy. But that's going to take what we, courage. What do we think and, of that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Okay, so you'll, 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 you'll take it. You want, I, I can take it or you can take it. No, you, no, you take it. Okay. And 
you take it in only the way boots can take it. Okay, and then you feel good about that back? Okay. I love it. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. So you're teaching me, Sammy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I may have a future. <laughs> the future campus faster, right here. Yeah. yeah. What, was, what was just said? For me, I believe you just were. Um, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, he was. He, he he talked about. Um, we got into politics about. God knows, you know, our political landscape is is you know politicians and government leaders are dysfunctional. But um, how, you know, it doesn't just benefit the person, but it affects those around them, those that they're leading. Okay. They can shine, they can shine a light. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I mean, are we good? Are we waiting on Mike or what? We wait. No, we're good. Oh. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh. <clears throat> Ready? Ready, Eddie. Nice. Now, Sig, I think everything that you've said so far today has just been, you know, so valuable, so inspiring. Mm. Um, I can't wait for the book drop. But it, what, what you have kind of reminded me of is a quote that I heard recently. And we, we've heard this phrase a lot of practice what you preach right? They put a different spin on it. And they made the case, no, you shouldn't just practice what you preach. You should actually preach what you practice. Huh. And I think the, the point of that statement, yeah. aside from just trying to be clever, <laughs> is to say, you preach or you teach or you speak to things from the baseline of your character, from the baseline of your virtue and everything else is an outpouring from that. It's right. not the other way around. You're sure. not you're not trying to act a certain way to back up your words. No, you're living a certain life so that your words have weight to them. It's good. And your yeah. your influence has an impact and an authenticity to it. That's just kind of what I've been yeah. contemplating while yeah. you've been speaking, but I do want to make this a little bit maybe more practical for our listeners because this is dense rich content Absolutely. um so as we begin to wrap up this episode what can we do now i guess is the question well i'd like to do it in terms of the role of the church okay but i think it can can be in other communities and uh, backgrounds and cultures but for the church i would say maybe there are three things and Sammy, I know you always have your three points, so I'm going to try to work this in here. Yeah. Uh, and I will call them the three R's. Oh, I like it. I like it. And the first is repent. Hmm. I think all of us, as we take a look at who we are and who we're not, who we reflect and who we don't, hmm. what we've done and what we haven't done, we need to constantly be on our knees repenting. Huh. Luther, you know, often would say, we die to ourselves daily, then rise to our newness in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think a need for the church as a whole, as a community, and as individuals, repenting is something that we need to recognize where I am and where I need to turn and head in a different direction. Mm. That's the first R. Love it. Repent. Writing them down. Yep. The second word is restore. And by this, I mean, when you look at Psalm 51, and it's had an effect on my life, and I have prayed this, Lord, restore unto me the joy of our salvation. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What is that about? And that foundation is that relationship with Jesus. Mm. A sense of what is at our core and you look at the behavior, not only what Jesus talked about, there's a lot of good things in the Beatitudes and in other places in the Gospels, but you look at his behaviors, who he met with, who he talked with, his behaviors that went with it. So good. And so the combination of all those virtues come into play as part of our core of who we are and who we are as a church. 
So number one was repent. Number two is restore. And number three is re-engage. Mm-hmm. And by that, I think all of us, I'm just not this, this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Not, Got it. not just some organization <laughs> or a group of people, but I believe a network of people mm. in a whole community working with the same core of who they are, re-engage with the culture. Mm. Not as adversaries, but people we love, we want to work with, we want to better understand, we want to have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. It, it's a sense of being authentic with them and allowing them to share who they are. We may not always agree with them, yeah. but we can begin conversations that I think can make a real difference. Mm. And in time, something called a miracle will begin to take place. Amen. But it forms a moral basis for a society today that pretty well has lost it. Yeah. Amen. So three, repent, restore, and re-engage. Sammy, just it. like you do it. Nice. I love it. I love it. And then it. you say, come on, somebody. Yeah, come on, somebody. <laughs> Let me hear it. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, when I get right down to it, say, you know, one of the things that you have, have taught me is that there is a foundational virtue that believers need to have, you know, in light of the context that we currently find yeah. ourselves. You know, we are in a post-Christian culture. And yet we're still agents of love, agents of change, um, ambassadors for Christ, ministers, as, as Paul's going to tell the church at Corinth, ministers of reconciliation. But one of the virtues that you constantly hone in on is the virtue of courage, that it is, it is not the day to have a glass chin in the 2023 landscape. It's going to take a constitution of conviction, a courage as a part of who you are to be able to say, I'm willing to repent of my own sin rather than playing the victim and and trying to defend or excuse. I can own my flaw and my sin and repent. I'm willing to say, I do have a deficit. Lord, restore to me what I've lost rather than just trying to act like I got it all together right. and I need nothing. And it takes courage to re-engage and to say, I'm going back into the fight to love God's people, to show the light of Jesus, to make sure that I do uphold the mantle on the believer to say, I am a minister of reconciliation. Even though you may resist me or stiff arm me, I'm gonna walk out with courage what I'm still called to do. That takes character. But, it, but first, it takes courage. And I love that you, you focus there. Well, C.S. Lewis talks about courage is that it shows up every time we use any of the virtues, mm. any time they come into play. The tough part of this, we can talk about it, but there will come a moment where you're going to have to decide, am I going to tell the truth or make something up? Wow. Am I going to love or am I going to smash them in the mouth? Uh, am I um, going to live a life of integrity? Ah, but nobody can see me go do this. Uh. For each one of those, there is a testing point, and at the testing point, there needs to be courage, mm. that you're going to do it regardless of the consequences. So. And we don't see a lot of courage these days. It's easy to drive down the side road and not face the things that need to be faced. And I think people are looking for people to tell the truth. Mm. And we've got enough media and internet and all of that. It's hard to figure out where it is. Brother, that was mic drop. And uh, I absolutely love it. Um, I'm so excited now that you have, because you are a deep well, my friend. And I'm so grateful to know you. And uh, I know in our short time together, you just skim the wave tops and there's so much more where that came from. Talk to me about the virtue proposition. When will it be released? How can we get our hands on it? Um, What should we look forward to? Okay. Remember I said the first book was Swing. It's available on Amazon that lays out the basics of all of this, more in sort of an an academic kind of way. The virtue proposition, the five virtues that will transform Mm. leadership, team performance, (laughs) 
and you. I love how you just light up. When you say <laughs> I know. And that tells me how deeply this is important well, and central to you. Yeah, and I need to say something about the book. It tells you about the why and who are you, but also tells you how you might do some of this in a very practical kind of way. Right. So it's just not a nice book. Oh, that's nice. What do you do with it? Yeah. And so there is an, an attempt on, on, on my part and a lot of people that have fed into me over the years, how do you actually go do this? Mm -hmm. So there's a practical nature to the book. But the virtue proposition, uh, um, a swing will is already out at yep. uh, Amazon. And then Amplify Publishing Group uh, will publish the book. It should be out um, at the end of the year, probably in bookstores sometime in the spring, but the actual copies will be available around Christmas uh, or shortly thereafter. And that'll be on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, uh, at the bookstores, et cetera, et cetera. I'm excited, and uh, people can find out about us, learn it, and I hope they'll become a part of the network of people uh, who are a part of the Severn Leadership Group. And tell me a little bit about that for those that might be listening that say, hey, I want to hone my leadership skills. I really want to focus on my core. I want to develop in whatever sphere of leadership they find themselves in. Yep. Tell me a little bit about the leadership uh, Severn, SLG. Well, the Severn Leadership Group uh, is a time where people get together in small groups. It's a generally a five-month program where they go through a curriculum and uh, but it's an opportunity for them to discuss who they are, what they're doing, what issues they face mm. with others similar to them. Uh, secondly, everyone has a mentor who, as I've talked about before, listens, challenges, encourages, um, and is someone who is there to walk alongside you. I've still got uh, people that I'm mentoring that I mentored five, six years ago. Uh, and it's exciting keeping track of all of them is, is a different story. So the Severn Leadership Group, a lot of what we do is by Zoom. Sometimes we've got people in Saudi Arabia mentoring somebody here uh, or someone in California or, or people in a local area so we can do it residentially or we can do it by Zoom. And uh, the place you can go look, our president, Julie Campbell does a great job mm. of running the organization and her team. And you can go to severinleadership.org and find out more about the program. And why Severin? That's the river that goes by the Naval Academy. That's right. So That's I right. get asked all the time, severinleadership.org. <laughs> and if you need anything, write a note to Julie. You can even write it to me. And I'll send it to you, Sammy, to answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, friend, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I, I, I don't think it's going to be the last time. Well, I hope I, not. I, I like being here with not. you. And uh, you're a gem, a friend, and an incredible mentor. Love you to death. And uh, thank you for your time. My pleasure. Yeah. Well, the pleasure is all ours, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, but we thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Spotify or at uh, Apple Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Simplexity Podcast. Uh, check us out on YouTube as well. Love you guys. <laughs>